and welcome to Misbehave, the podcast where we explore human behavior in a business context. Season two of Misbehave is all about uncovering behavioral patterns which create success in life and business. We're joined by highly driven, accomplished individuals to assess their behavioral patterns and dive into how behaviors have influenced their journey. This episode features Emma Sale, founder and CEO of the We Are KK Brands. In 2005, there was nowhere women could go to feel in control and explore their sexuality in a safe environment. So Emma created Killing Kittens. From monthly sex parties in luxurious locations around the world to a 200,000 strong community, Emma has grown the brand into a multi-million pound tech business. Emma is known as a leader in female empowerment and is regularly seen across the media as a social commentator on all things women and sexuality. Emma and welcome to the podcast we're so excited that you're joining us and I know we've we've been chatting and we were sort of starting to dive into things before we even hit record would love just for you to give the listeners just a little bit of an overview of your sort of journey to date in your own words well thanks for having me on um Guys, it's a weird and squiggly and convoluted um, journey. But in a nutshell, so I've been launched a company Killing Kittens 18 years ago, um, very much off the being angry with the world, being imbalanced when it came to women and sex and wanting to create a safe space for women to explore their sexuality on and offline. Um, And that was 18 years ago, and it's just sort of snowballed in the digital world into being actually a tech business um, that now we just launched a new dating app um, sex positive dating app. So, and in the middle of that, you know, an app called Sister, which is professional women, professional women. So, to be honest, in a nutshell, we, I would just say sort of empowering women from the bedroom to the boardroom is sort of everything in all the different businesses and tech that we've launched in the last 18 years. That's kind of been at the core, but now we've launched more into everyone, just a big sex positive, be whoever you want to be in, you know, the future's human um, type, yeah, type world. That's it, really, in a bullet point. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good overview. Um, I was really interested. I was listening to something um, that you had talked about recently, and I found this really interesting. When you, I think you said something along the lines of, from what you've created, the sex was almost a byproduct. <laughs> like it wasn't actually, it's not about that. It's about the empowerment piece. But obviously, the media jump onto all of the, well, the sex sells piece of it. So would love for you just to talk a little bit more about almost that mission behind it, because I think so many people focus on just that front end piece of it versus actually the whole piece around women and empowerment yeah. and all of that. Yeah, the um, the byproduct thing is that that's the thing. It's always been like, you know, media is like sex parties or orgies or, and I've yeah. never seen it never seen it like that. It was more, I, I just was angry with the world in a Growing up as a tomboy, real little, real little tomboy, loved my sport, climbing trees, everything, and everything was always like, well, you know, boys do that, boys can do that, boys can do that, you know. You know, I started playing the trombone because no other girls played it. Um, and it's sort of then you get older into the dating world and realise actually that's imbalanced as well and guys can shag whoever they want to shag and no one cares. And girls, you know, God forbid you have a one-night stand. It's sort of the slut shaming and the guilt and my own guilt and showing like I can't do that. And that was sort of where yeah where the drive behind it was actually and it was beginning you know 2004 2005 when Sex and City come out and there was this kind of talk about women being more vocal when it came to their sexual needs and stuff and um and I just thought well there isn't 
people with media saying that, but where is that to, for girls to go if they thought about snogging another girl or exploring their sexuality? There just isn't. So, so that's what I wanted to do is create this safe space where they could be the ones in control, the ones with the power and, and just a community where they could just chat and ask questions and things that they couldn't, couldn't speak to their best friends about or their family about. So that's what it was, just kind of setting a scene where, as you know, as you mentioned, that sex is a byproduct. So I realized, you know, very quickly that, you know, sex to guys it's why you know they can watch brightly lit porn and get turned on whereas everything to girls is the touch the feel the smell the ambience that you know our biggest sex organ is our brain so turn that on and then everything else everything else follows so it was kind of me setting the scene in the world online and offline where women did feel turned on and empowered and in control and if that meant then they went up this threw all their clothes off and had sex and so be it so that was it it was kind of do everything else and that bit might come later but we've had really good events where actually you know there hasn't been that much (laughs) sex that goes on and they've been great parties so it's sort of yeah every every event's different. I think one of the things I love about the the business is that your business came out of almost this sense of of things not being right, like that you wanted to make things better. And looking at your behavioral patterns, it's just amazing to see like you're so big. I mean, you're off the scale on difference. So in our world, that means you are a driver of change, but you're not like a steady driver of change or a whirlwind. I want to make a difference. I want to be at the forefront of this. And actually that is absolutely behind your sense of wanting to change the way people see things, societal sort of imagery of what women are like, like it all literally stems back from your need and want and sort of the the drive, which is linked to some of your other patterns, but to make a difference and drive change in the world collectively, particularly for women. And I think that, you know, when we read your map, I was like, wow, that makes so much sense. I mean, you literally are, are I think, at the We've highest difference. Yeah. <laughs> the highest level of difference on a map, which which totally makes sense because you are a game changer. And I, and I think that for us and, and, and that coupled with the fact you have a big action for uh, bias for action and you want to drive stuff forward. But to do that and evolve the business in the way that you have, and it's now like a fully fledged tech product as well as being op- like offline is is an amazing journey to mm-hmm. to evolve a business in that way. Can you can you tell us a little bit about like that evolution? Like what was that like for you to experience as the business sort of founder? How was that how did that evolution work out for you? Do you know what it was I think it was fine, you know, for the first decade because I think our you know there was only there was a few there was a tiny group of us. And like, I was on my own for the first five years. So you're kind of doing it on your own. So you're not really aware, you're not having to manage anyone and um and then had a couple of people and then sort of it was about four of us up until that and they're very offline people up until about 2017 and that's when I realized that most of the business and revenue was coming from the online tech side of it that I was blagging big time we were all blagging it was sort of again it was a byproduct I was like well that's a big byproduct to be honest um financially with no one really in control of it and me too had just happened and that's when um I was like actually I need someone I'd always said the value was on the online side of the business, which I'm not really a, a digital online person, ironically. And I just realized that's when I went, I'd need someone to come on board, like a partner on board, a tech partner who really puts it on rails, that side of the business and makes it fly. And that's when I got Hadley on board, who is on that side. And that's been, so that's since 2017. And we've worked, we worked really well, you know, as partners on that offline online. I think what 
and it kind of slowly he sort of took out we got more people on and he took over the day-to-day the details side of it um and then yeah obviously covid hit and i just said from minute one i'm going to be awful i said to my husband i'm going to be awful and you know a pain in the ass and crawling walls because i'm just used to traveling and being really busy and not stuck in one place and and needing people um and i think that's when i think that's the last three years been the hardest because we've re- we were always launching n- the massive tech side in 2020 21 22 which doesn't need me and doesn't need the d and i don't need yeah. that and you know it's sort of so it's kind of i think that's been really hard actually there's that ego side of and not being needed but then actually where i've found peace actually in the last six months or so going i don't want to be needed and you know you actually you kind of you've you sort of settle into you don't need you're not needed in the business but actually you don't want to be needed in it because that's not what i do so yeah. it's sort of making that the peace with the your ego and identity mm. um of thinking that you need to be needed <laughs> and needed to be a big part within it to realize that actually what you're doing externally, what I'm doing externally is as important. And I've always said I'm like a wolf, you know, that wolf loose that are kind of just out the front miles ahead of the pack, but you'll come back, circle the pack, make sure the pack's all right, go back out 3000 miles ahead is sort of that's, so I don't want to be in the pack. So it's that. So now I'm kind of much more at Zen <laughs> with the way the business <laughs> is. <laughs> And it's so hard. And, you know, you've got, I know we talked a little bit about your dominances are very, aside from the level of difference, which we'll talk and we'll dig into a little bit more, but that sort of high action, the high bias for action, like Sarah talked about, the almost that love of variety and lots of different things and the goal focus and the big picture and the vision, it's all the true visionary things that actually probably in that that time period that you talked about, that sort of 10 years when the team was quite compact and you were doing things that um, almost really played to those strengths. But actually then when you're that tech offering and you needed that detailed person, you need that person who could do the process, could do the detail, could um, cross the T's, dot the I's, all of those sorts of things. And that I think is, it's not something that all leaders get right. They, they often let that ego piece of like, I want to keep control of everything and I want to be involved in everything get in their way and they end up then almost self-sabotaging because you can't, you know, if, if we'd thrown that, what, 200,000, more than 200,000 people in your community now to you and said, manage all the details of that, the likelihood is not only would you have probably hated every second, <laughs> that wouldn't have been, wouldn't have been a use of your skill set. It was recognizing that someone else needed to do that. What was that tipping point for you about when you sort of realized, Emma, that actually we are at a point now where that lack of process, that lack of detail, almost that structure is really going to harm us if we don't do something about it? I think, do you know, I, I, I mean, we've been, it's, we've been going 18 years, so we're quite, yeah. you know, and I'm a long distance athlete anyway. So I, it's a slow, so actually I think what was good is it wasn't a sudden shit, we're in trouble. It was yeah. a slow Hadley came on board. He started as a consultant, you know, for the first year. And then I said, Will you come on board, you know, as a CEO and like my partner and full time, you know, properly? And it, there was so, so actually it was kind of more a gradual thing that, uh, that he took more and more, you know, control over things. And then actually we were forced into it massively because of covid so actually it was suddenly you know i say about you know the sports analogy of like you know playing your best players of so one minute 
you know, I'm captain in the middle of the pitch. And then I'd, I had to bench myself, bench myself yeah. and play my best players, which was the entire digital online side and just watch from the bench while it all, you know, unfolded with me not on there. And I think that's, you know, when you do play sports and team stuff, actually, you see that a lot. The ones on the bench are the ones just, you know, who will just get as excited about a goal being scored as the person getting the goal. So I think it, it um, there was a lot of that in getting my head around that so actually it was gradual and it was I was then able because you'd had a year and a half of we had no events and no offline business to actually when we reopened up again I was kind of used to being on the bench a bit mm-hmm. so actually it was sort of so it wasn't a sudden we mean had never had to have big conversations you know about me not being involved it's just sort of been a gradual a gradual thing I think last year was trickier because we had opened up and events were much bigger but again we had the events team that was sort of taking control of that and um and the online stuff all launching. So it was sort of, hang on a minute, I'm not in meetings, but I don't need to be in meetings. So is that kind of, yeah, the two sides in my head, one throwing the toys out of the pram and the other one calming that, the, the other side of the head calming it down, going, yeah, but you don't want to be in those meetings. So, yeah. you know, pick yeah. your toys back, pick the toys up. You don't, why? What's the problem? So, it, yeah, it was a bit of a real, real head fuck, excuse me, my friends, so, um, of that. Yeah, and I think, oh, you know, also at the same time, you throw perimenopause in the mix, make some three kids under eight. You like, you literally don't know what emotion is coming from what. <laughs> so, <laughs> Where's it coming from? I would say last year was my like was the midlife crisis head year yeah. <laughs> going on. <laughs> wow. Well, I and mean, I mean, that's a whole different podcast, but it would be interesting yeah. to delve into. <laughs> All uh, in the mix. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I know we've struggled with that over over our journey together around like stepping out of things and handing things over, even between us, like, because we both love to do lots of things together, but we've had to for the good of the business. What's interesting is you've got one of your biggest motivations and it's pretty dominant is achievement. And we're talking a lot of here about like the sports analogy is a great way of describing it. But I'm almost seeing, listening to what you're saying Emma that it's not that you were sat on the bench per se but you maybe took more of a coach role where you were still Mm -hmm. leading from the front and advising and coaching and guiding but you weren't the you weren't the captain per se in in every element of the business I think and it was interesting when you described like I felt like I wasn't needed I suppose when you're motivated by achievement and just for the listeners it's like you're motivated by achievement that's what gets you out of bed that's what that's what puts the spring in your step but your business was still achieving and you were still hitting goals it's just maybe you weren't at the absolute forefront of driving the individual goals but do you feel like I mean what's your role currently do you still do you feel like that coaching description sits with you or not um I mean already this year it's feeling better because we've picked up quite a lot of momentum because we decided to split the business lot at the end of last year and so take all the online side of it and rebrand it as another business called WeRx um, app, which is a big sex positive social dating app, which launched beginning of April. So getting into just the events. And then you've got the all the online side, which is under a whole, so two limited companies now. And I think that's been exciting. We made that call September, October, which was a really tricky call to make as well, emotionally on so many levels. But that the team that's involved in that have been unbelievable. And, you know, that, and it launched beginning of April. And it so seeing all of that and actually being out, I'm out and about more and we've got a big launch event end of end of May. And then obviously, you know, there's sort of getting that message out and getting a bit creative on the media side and the story side is, is you know, I know I'm a storyteller. I know, you know, that's that sort of going out and trying to, um, as you said, you know, try and change the world and you change the world and you do that by changing, you know, by getting people on board. 
you know, starting movement, starting motion, starting, you know, it's kind of people want you want to believe. And, you know, with brands, it's sort of, there's so much. I was reading yesterday, something over 80% of decisions on brands is emotionally led. So it's that, it's just getting people, you know, we had it with KKN, it kind of feels, it feels a bit launching this new setup and stuff, a bit like it did then. It's sort of new and it's at the forefront and no one else is doing it. And it's kind of disrupting a bit that sort of the labels that I don't like, yeah. you know, and, you know, dating art. The other dating apps are very kind of, this, this, this is straight, this is gay, this is lesbian. You know, it's sort of actually they're quite, these ones are for more threesomes and poly. It kind of, the dating sites at the moment are quite niche, whereas ours is sort of all, absolutely all-inclusive, your adult life and sex education workshops and webinars and live chats and events. And so it kind of, it, to me, it feels exciting because we're disrupting the, the niche label world that has been um, for the last, yeah, 10 years. That's really interesting because what you often see is when we often describe leaders who are high difference, I mean, with your level of difference, 89%, that level of difference is probably on a par with, you know, some, not that we're comparing you in any way, but on a par with people like Elon Musk and people who are really high difference want to just drive change. But what you can often think is that that level of difference has to mean that you launch businesses, sell them, exit. It's almost like that quick sale exit piece. But actually what the what you're highlighting there is that actually you can stimulate that difference in different ways. It doesn't have to always be scale a business, leave or launch a new product. It can actually be about a new movement or um, a new definition or a new voice or any of those lovely things that actually you can still stimulate. Yeah. that difference piece in you without yeah. having to do something totally different exactly and ours has always been that you know underlying you know normalizing the conversation around sex and what started with yeah. that you know with women at the core of it um is now the way you know the way the world has exploded into three thousand genders and sexuality and everything is actually just sort of normalizing that voice and the different marginalized disenfranchised groups and stuff and just going well you know why do you need all the labels why do you need you know just be whoever you want to be it's sort of, and sexuality changes the whole time. You're constantly evolving. And so, you know, do we need to sit there and go, I'm this, 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 and this, um, you know, because actually next week you might wake up and feel completely differently. So it's Mm. sort of, yeah, that, that's basically what has driven us, you know, for 18 years is that it's just normalizing the conversations around sex and sexuality. And, um, so it's sort of there different brands come up, you know, the and launching this one and splitting the business. It's still the driver beneath it is the basically it's just sex. <laughs> so, it's a, co- it's a uh-huh. common cause, though, isn't it? Yeah. And we often do work with businesses where we get them to really define what is the ultimate mission of the business. What's the cause behind it? And sometimes that will change over time. But like, what is that? What does that look like? And if you can link every decision that you then make in your journey to that, does it take me closer or further away from that? And I think with yours, it's such a strong, like deep rooted, like cause that actually, if you think about all the things you've just described to us, even in this short period of time, they're all linked to that common cause, which is amazing. I mean, that big picture in you, it's a hundred percent. It means that that 
you know, you've got a vision and you're working towards that. In the in the detail is you're less sort of precious about as long as it's reaching that goal. And we see that a lot with entrepreneurs. Like, you know, typically they do have a big vision, but sometimes, as Laura mentioned, they can change it a lot. And it actually, it, it, you end up losing the sentiment of what's actually behind because you get attracted to all the shiny new things or whatever. Um, but I think that's like really, really interesting. Everything's linked to that cause, which is, which is, you know, it's really, it's a really lovely thing. I was just going to say earlier, Laura, I don't, I know the listeners can't say this, but when you were describing your disruption piece before, your body language was literally telling us every pattern you possibly have <laughs> on this map. Like, literally. And, and you know what it is, you do it and you do it in a way that does drive an emotive reaction. Mm-hmm. Like I'm literally like, my, I can feel our initiation our sort of stuff <laughs> rising in the cult. room as well yeah, <laughs> yeah you should you should <laughs> I'm really interested to, for you to talk us through because again a piece that really stood out for me and I think sometimes when people are scaling a business they get so caught up in like the scale journey or they think about something and they're like how could I possibly ever scale this and I really loved hearing about your journey from almost like if we really want to simplify it from doing a monthly party that started out with a smaller number of people and grew and grew and grew to now going through several rounds of investment. Can you talk us, give us an overview of sort of that and kind of how that evolved? The thing, so the first, I mean, when we did the first party, um, I had about 40 people, um, but there was always a, right at the beginning, a sign up, a kind of, you had to, yeah, be an online member. So you signed out and yeah. it was very basic, but very basic forums online. So it kind of, that was sort of ticking along and then the events were monthly. And then the numbers on that side just grew. So after about a year, we're on about 150, 200 people. So we moved venues and then, launched a different concept um but i always joked and even now you know still have it in the back of my mind like you were saying like big picture is i had five year like five year plans and i always joked about like like stalin had five year plans so like the um my history so i was like let's i could see every five years and if i wasn't where i wanted to be in five years time i'll just go right that's it done so the first five years it was sort of wanting to be more than one event a month have different concepts um and then after you know the next 10 years was like have the whole online side going on and also being in it being in new york so that was that was all done after you know the next five years what do we to now yeah with, with the whole um launch the online dating side of it and then so and so the next five years which is so i've got 2025 in my head is to is exit so that where that yeah that's kind of in my head is is the massive part we're doing a big uh, raise this summer onto the next yeah and so in 2025 it would be great to to exit or to, you know sell the dating side of it and actually I think splitting the businesses into two makes it a lot easier yeah to do on that mm-hmm. front so so yeah it's sort of been I've just been sort of every every five years interesting isn't it knowing what I want to hit yeah mm-hmm. and it's it's so interesting around how you can flex almost these rules and norms of what you need to do from a business planning perspective. You know, you don't, if you're actually somebody who's driven by big picture and your timeline, because you've got quite a long future timeline compared to some, you know, if your timeline isn't a year, then why 
why we're driving one year plans just it's almost like there's not a mm. there's not rules about this stuff you drive the plan that fits you and actually fits your vision and you know for some people that'll be the need in detail because if they haven't got detail they feel paralyzed by it for other people it's like I don't need to know exactly how we're going to get there I just need to know like what these milestones look like and that'll give me a gauge as to whether I'm on or off track and then that's where your then your goal focus and your achievement comes in of like have I hit that or have I not obviously we're talking about all the amazing stuff are there is there any ever been pieces I'm sure you can think of of some straight away where during that journey things haven't gone the way you hoped they would they would go and how have you you know, dealt with those things do you know it's weird in that because people are, I've been asked like, where have you found stuff? Like we, you know, I don't, it's only when I have to really rack my brain and have a thing. You know, there, there's been a couple of party concepts that just haven't, it's not like they failed. They just didn't get loads of people and we decided not. So it's kind of, there hasn't been, you know, I'd, I'd say probably the hardest has been the last year because we, but then in, it makes total sense what we've done. It's sort of, we've changed like actually the whole online side being under killing kittens. And that was the, everything was under killing kittens, the whole online, this, this social, you know, the, the dating app was going to be under killing kittens. And we changed it because we were kind of in a juncture position last summer. And that if that was going to be all inclusive and, you know, global and massive sex positive world, then we couldn't really have the killing kittens parties having women at the core because it didn't make, you'd have to either make them all completely all-inclusive or you'd have to make the online side with women at the core, but then it kind of makes it a smaller, smaller setup. So we were in yeah. this juncture, well, you can't have, we can't have, but we can't have two killing kittens operating offline and online that don't actually click. Come together. Um, so mm-hmm. it made more sense for killing kittens to be a community within X and having loads of other communities. And that's when it was like split the business, rebrand, you know, rebrand that side. So I think that, that was, that was probably the hardest because you're giving up the Killing Kittens name in on the side that is the bit the massive part of this business. So to be something else. So I think that that was that's probably been the hardest to headbutt to get my head around because it's been it was so many years and so much emotion and fights, sweat, blood, and tears. But having got my head around it, it's like actually KK's gone nowhere. It's as big oh. as it ever was. It's, you know, yeah. off, you know, that side. And, and it's within the whole community. Okay. All the members have been moved into X. So that, you know what I mean? They've just woke up one morning and instead of it being called Killing Kit KK app, it's X app. And they've, you know, they're all really happy about it and using it really well. And there's all this extra stuff on top and other communities are in it now and stuff. So I think that's, I think that's as a, yeah, business wise and head wise is probably the hardest thing to have to do but it makes complete sense so it wasn't like it was a failure and we failed to be able to keep the name on the online side it was it's just evolved as the world has evolved so yeah and that vision's evolved hasn't it that's kind of like layers really nicely with what we were talking about earlier of like what that concept was when you first started, which was and probably had a more predominant focus around women, is still there, but it's actually got bigger. Now it's yeah. not just about women. There's all these other things. And it's that if you didn't have the level of difference you've got and the, the bias for action and all of that, that letting go of that might have been difficult. We've definitely seen businesses where there's been there's been opportunities for them to evolve but their appetite for change maybe isn't as strong as yours or their appetite for just the the drive to 
to action things isn't as big. And they actually almost, they purposefully keep themselves smaller and restricted and they can't expand that vision. And that has inhibited their growth sometimes. So yeah. And I think with that, with the levels of goal focus and achievement, like for you, it's about making sure you're still striving towards the goal and, you know, creating opportunities and milestones to feel like you and the team are achieving, which is great. Right. Just to, to kind of conscious of time, just to finish off, you, you talked a little bit about 20, 2025 being your kind of point of potential exit or, or change. What does what does the world look like for Emma post that? I mean, what what are you planning on doing? Because we know for sure you're not going to be sat at home knitting and putting. <laughs> oh, your feet I don't up. know. Um, yeah, but, but do you know what? I, I say that on that. I can see us. I can see us flipping out the the WeRx, the dating company, killing kittens company. That the offline would probably be harder. There's fewer people that you know that might want to buy that there are people that would so I think I don't know to be honest I mean it's like mm. you know already I've sort of I spend more time with my kids now than I did I do school pickups and things so I think it's like having that just being a bit at peace <laughs> and less yeah. 3,000 miles per hour but there's still um you know I'm doing more externally from the business whether that's talks or chats or you know being involved in sort of advice type things. I think that, you know, there's been so much this year on, you know, sex, you know, the sexual harassment and everything going on in workplaces and the rotten at the core in pretty much every institute possible. So I think maybe there's a battle, <laughs> the battle yeah, there within the real patriarchal old school systems that need, yeah, that need disrupting a bit. So um yeah. Yeah, that you know that'd be great. Is to get into some really, you know, dad was military, my granddad was military, so get into some, yeah, be involved in that sort of breaking down the institutional side of of it, all that's still yet to come. <laughs> yeah, still and lots use, of work to be done. Isn't and there? using that difference and that disruption for good, because yeah. that I think if we could summarize your journey in in a piece, it's that. Yeah, it's it is that. Like it is that. It's that. not. Um, I'm not a money person. You know, it'd be great. <laughs> to have it but I think I think that's luckily like luckily I've now got Hadley on board um who is and um is the detail and the and the pennies and everything and selling and stuff otherwise I'd just keep yeah going trying to change the world but staying a bit broke in the process <laughs> <laughs> well what a, I mean I think that's probably a good a good tie-off I mean what a, just such an interesting journey and so many amazing things happen and we will definitely be following to see what happens after 2025 i'm excited to see what the next level of disruption for good looks like but thank you so much for joining us we've really loved it thank you for Thanks, having me on what a great episode with Emma. As always, we wanted to do a little summary with three takeaways from today's episode. So the first one has to be that whole thought process around Emma's five-year plan. And the takeaway for this really is that you are allowed to plan your business around your own timeline and around a timeline that's motivating to you. Now, Emma's future focus, she's high goal, she's high achievement. And for her, the five-year piece is, is what works for her. She hasn't got details. She hasn't got process. So she doesn't need those more granular goals or understanding the how. She just needs the headlines to motivate her. And, and her, her timeline happens to be five years. 
So in your business, if you are more motivated by a shorter one-year plan, if it's three years for you, whatever that looks like, it's just about creating visibility of goals, especially if your goal achieve your goal or achievement, but doing them on your own timeline. The second bit that we definitely can't leave out is Emma's level of difference, that 89%. We've never seen anybody um, so far and we have profiled thousands of people who've seen a high difference, but not that high. And for Emma, that's that real connection to that disruptor for good piece and the connection to a cause. And the benefit of having that is that you could hear all the way through that conversation that that cause for her has never wavered that there's me it's expanded a little bit and it's added in different things but it's about understanding that if you've got quite a high amount of difference in your profile as a leader that difference doesn't have to mean exiting businesses quickly going in and out of lots of different projects launching new products you can actually stimulate that difference piece just by continuing to disrupt the market that you're in in different ways The final little piece is that achievement doesn't have to link to money, which is sometimes what people associate, you know, that the achievement is a revenue goal. What Emma failed to mention um, in our conversation is that Killing Kittens has now grown to a business that started out with one party a month with 30 people and is now a business that's valued at over 20 million. But for her, that's not the achievement. Actually for her, and it's really because of our level of difference, the achievement is the cause, is things that they manage to do as a business that drives forward recognition, visibility, change for the cause that she's focused on. So it's just about remembering that achievement looks achievement is whatever achievement means to you and it's just about making sure that that achievement you're constantly referencing back to it but it doesn't have to always be the traditional profit or revenue growth thank you for listening to the misbehave podcast hit subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes 